Hey everyone, it's Guillaume from Startup Basecamp. Welcome to Tech for Climate podcast. During the show, you will have the opportunity to meet the best climate tech founders, investors, experts from Silicon Valley and around the globe. They will share with you their stories and personal journey in this growing industry, giving you some insights on the ecosystem to hopefully help you to take part in the climate change fight and benefit from the opportunities that it can also represent. The podcast is divided in two small interviews. During the first part, you will get to know our speaker, their perspective on the climate crisis and how climate tech is changing the game. The second part of the talk will be for all members of the community who will learn from the speakers their secret sauce on how to, sharing with you their unique expertise on various topics as fundraising, management, strategy, and so on to help you to become a better leader in your field. Let's go for the show. Hi everyone, during this episode of our founder series, we will sit down with Lisa Gauthier, CEO and co-founder of Hack Your Closet, for an interesting conversation around her entrepreneurship journey and the need to change the way we consume fashion. With Lisa, we will go into details on how Hack Your Closet is bringing an innovative subscription model to the fashion industry, giving consumers a unique clothing experience while drastically extending the average life cycle of your clothes, resulting in a huge amount of saved resource and CO2 emissions. During the second part of the talk, Lisa will share with you her secret sauce on fundraising, covering some great insights on the importance of relationships and collaboration between founders and investors that will help you to accelerate your company growth. Lisa, welcome to the show. Hi, Lisa, welcome to the show. Uh, we're super excited to have you here today. And um, to start off, uh, we'd like to hear a little bit more about uh, your personal story, your background, uh, what is uh, Hack Your Closet, as you're the CEO and co-founder uh, that we have uh, on the show today. And uh, we'd love to hear about uh, the why uh, behind uh, Hack Your Closet as well. Yes, thanks for having me. So um, to give a little bit of my of my my career or like you know what I've done before my background. So I started in the advertising in France. Um, for I worked there as a freelancer and a consultant. And then you know a couple of um, years after that, I realized I needed that I need to travel or um, travel Europe at least. So I ended up in Berlin, where I heard what the startup was for the first time, and I was like, what What is this? Like, well, I got really curious because my dream was always to have an advertising agency and you know make everything look cool and work on those campaigns and stuff and and then the the world of startup opened to me and I just fell in love with it uh, I mean the intensity of of things and like the learnings and the, the human experience that it represents was like just an amazing thing thing so I was like okay one day I will have my startup but you know take a chill pill and step by step. So uh, first I joined this, um, this startup in Berlin, which, which was called, uh, it's still called Outfittery. It's a creative shopping uh, experience for men. And um, yeah, I, start, I started that when we were, we were 35 people. And when I left within like two and a half year, I, I, had, a, I had my own team of five designers. Um, we were 250 people. 
and we were in we went from like two markets to like 10 or eight markets in Europe, which was crazy. So you can imagine like the, the growth of that company was just insane. Um, and being part of that roller coaster has just been mind blowing for me. So I was like, okay, cool. Uh, I want to know more about startups. So, and I can't stay in the same startup if I want to learn, learn more. I need to see, you know, what's going out there and what's happening. So I had the opportunity to move to Stockholm and, um, work for a sister company uh, of that same so they had common investors and they were about to launch in germany so and i was like oh it's kind of like uh, interested in stockholm and like scandinavia and want to see another hub for for startups and i was like it's me me can can you take me in and and started there as an art director and was really really impressed of the culture shock that i found i was like okay i thought that startup was a thing but startup within every country that i've i have experienced has been such a different experience and i love that thing because it helped me sort of like learning the pros and the cons of each work work environment and this different culture and trying to really like a sponge getting the best out of it so um, after uh, after working two and a half years in Berlin, I moved to Stockholm and I have been there for over five five years, five or six years. Um, I had um, I worked for that startup. Then I did some consulting. I worked for Spotify two years and a half, and in between I had two startups. So this is my second one. Um, and the first one was like uh, was. Um, the type of startup where you're like, I want to become an entrepreneur. I'm going to disrupt the the industry. I, I needed to. I knew I wanted to do something in impact, but I mean, today I can see that I didn't have uh, the perspective on what it takes to build a startup from a business point of view, but also a sustainable point of view, not only in terms of impact, but how do you actually build a business that, you know, <laughs> that runs on its own. So first startup, and then, yeah, I joined Spotify for two years and a half. And after that, I, uh, I just, you know, when you, I think when you had the taste for uh, entrepreneurship, it's hard to go back to any type of job, even if it's one of the best, most known startup that you have ever known, like Spotify. I mean, I had a great opportunity there, but for some reason, it's like I just, I just couldn't do that. I, I needed some, I needed that, that thing that entrepreneurship gives you that no one, no other job can do. Fantastic, and uh, but tell me a bit more about uh, Hack Your Closet and the, the the why behind it. Like why? Uh, I mean, I think we, we kind of understand that the, the flame of entrepreneurship is uh, is burning uh, in in you. Yeah. But uh, why Hack Your Closet? Uh, what is really like the the, the the strong motivation behind that? Well, I think what what really happened, and it's not really about Hack Your Closet because I think entrepreneurship is the journey, and it it kind of started when I left school for me, uh, because I look at every experience I had and every company I joined, and that led me to Hack Your Closet today. So it was a continuous journey, and uh, what I like to say is like if I go back to me being a student like ten years ago, um, I wasn't really interested in school, or like and I wasn't really a good student, but I had this drive of pro proving everyone else that I could, I could just do it or I could, I could be the best at what I'm, I'm passionate about. Uh, so I spent, like, I think I spent nine years uh, of my, in my career just, you know, building up my CV and be like, I want to be the best thing, like the best um, possible, you know, way, like version of myself. Uh, and then I, I started sort of like encountering like everyone else, this, um, crisis about impact and the environment and everything happening. I was like, what am I doing? What am I like trying to like look around, like, like just 
thinking about myself and not go and what I, what like there's so many problems out there and I'm here trying to be you know to be me me and like trying to get better at my at my work while everything is out there and and I need I need to stop doing this I need to use what I've it's, it's enough I spent nine years like working my ass off to have to work with the best companies and learn the most and like now it's enough that I can use that and do something good with it that's beyond me so when I did my first startup, I wanted to change the, you know, the resale market. So I, I wanted to help uh, re- like vintage stores to actually get a digital space out there. So the, that, that drive to actually um, give the resale market that new, uh, the, that new experience, that new way of like looking at it was always there. But the first startup I did was really niche while after, you know, taking a step back, going to different companies and looking at how can we really make an impact? I needed to create something that that was first of all, a solution like kind of like fit for all. And I could like reach out to as many people as possible and then make sure that uh, I could uh, drive and move those clothes and move big volumes um, because that's the only way my, my or the impact of the company would just be significant because, mm-hmm. you know, selling a couple of items secondhand is not going to do anything for the uh, the problem and i mean the clothing industry is is one of the most polluting um industry in the world so you, if you want to do something you got to do something big so that was basically the first thought okay i got it and so maybe i'm going to jump on that uh, on that side like can you give me a little bit of uh, overview of the fast fashion industry i mean i call it fast fashion uh, and i think i'm not uh, not wrong to call it like that uh, and you might have like any uh, insights regarding uh, the, the relation uh, with the climate change and the climate crisis in itself that uh, the impact that the fast fashion can have uh, on it and 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 maybe it's like how the, the bigger vision of uh, how your uh, closet uh, fits in uh, into that uh, into that problem. How far do you guess uh, you think you, you can go to uh, to contribute to tackle that uh, that issue? I think it is. Uh, we always look at our company. I always build that company and looking at two different phases. The first one is like the now. What needs to happen now? And I always believe that clothes that were produced are the answer to sustainability because we've produced so much and we're producing more and more and more. Um, and we have, we know that um, in, in average, uh, every piece of garment emits like 11 kilo of CO2 in, in, in the atmosphere. But when those clothes are not even being used because they stay in warehouses or they don't get the chance to end up in, to be seen by the consumers, like for example, when there's a pandemic and everything is on lockdown and the clothes are, are what do you do with this? Because those emission has happened, but all of a sudden that clothes that were supposed to sort of be used and used as long as possible isn't even just stays there and nothing happens. So those 11 kilos per item is just wasted. And I was like, how is that? Those, those items are beautiful. We're not anymore in a, in a place where clothes used to be, you know, a grandparent style. All the clothes that are available today that are overstock or secondhand are, are as trendy as something I would find in any high street retailer. And, it, and I made it my goal to find those items, match them with customers and have them wear them. That's the only thing I want for them. So going back to the question, so there's two phases. There's the now, what can we do now? And what needs to be done now? So uh, we decided to take responsibility for those stocks. So like those stocks have to go, they have to go back into the consumption patterns because this emission has happened, it's there and we'd rather do that than having them ending up in landfills or being burned or anything. So 
we need to take care of that. But then what we're doing is that we're creating our asset is not the clothes, is the data that we collect. Because when we send out those items that were otherwise wasted, we collect unique data about customer preferences, about clothes performance, because we know how many times they can be worn, we know how, you know, how, how they perform within the customer, within different age group, because we have those clothes circulating between all different people and different customers. So, um, so the second phase of our business is building up that assets that we have with data and together with the brands, being able to have them in the production um, um, at the beginning of the production cycle. So basically being able to say, do not produce that, produce something like that, trying to be more smarter about the way they produce and the way they design clothes. Okay, fantastic. Um, I think would love to know a little bit more about uh, how the, 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 your service in itself uh, works because I, I hear on one side there is uh, this uh, uh, clothing services that and, and that, that you are putting together and all of these operations behind that. And then uh, on the other side is this big data uh, and uh, what is those uh, analytics and, and intelligence that uh, you are like uh, uh, gathering and putting together. So maybe Let's start by the, the, the top of the of the of the value yeah. chain here. Like how uh, how your closet work uh, today? Uh, if I'm a customer, I saw that uh, you guys have also those uh, stylists that you allocate per client. Uh, maybe give us a little bit uh, more information about like yeah. how that uh, that works. How do you source your clothes and deliver them? Uh, if you can walk yeah. us through to the to the process. So uh, Hack Your Closet is a service that's currently only for women. <laughs> um, but so what happens, like as a customer, you come into your product, you download our app or you go on our website and then you create your style profile. So we're going to ask you a couple of questions about what are the things that you like about clothes or what makes you more comfortable or and so on and so and so forth. And that's basically it. You answer that style profile. And from now on, for 29 euro a month, you will receive five to six items in a, in a box every, every four weeks. You get those items home that are being selected by your personal stylist. Um, you wear them, you rate them, you return them, and you get a new one and, and the cycle starts, basically. So uh, when, you have, um, when you have returned the clothes, we wash the item in, in between all cycles before we turn in, into another customer. And we're trying to basically have those items circulating as long as possible. So what it does is that it does, it, 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 it's mindful of you wanting to have many options and changing the way you, you dress every month because that's something we know customers like and enjoy. Mm -hmm. So you can still do that without having that you know, wasteful way of consuming clothes where you would just buy something, wear it a month, discard it, and buy something new. So instead, we're using waste. We have it circulating uh, every month to, um, to our customer's closet, and we create a positive impact. Okay, and and how many cycles do the do those clothes go through? Like, how many times do you wash them and and in a way uh, put them back into the into the value chain? And do you store? I mean, where do you source those uh, those clothes? Is it like from a big brands, like outlet uh, style, or how does it work? So um, the first we're regarding sourcing. So we only work with uh, charity organizations. So sourcing with secondhand clothes or we work with uh, big brands. So uh, actually we are mostly working with larger players because we know that this is where the biggest volumes are and this, this is where it needs to happen now. Mm -hmm. um, so 
but it could be anything from you know a high street retailers brand to mid end uh, and yeah second hand clothes that we that we select that we inspect that we we fix if there's if it's needed so that's where we source the clothes and uh, regarding the the amount i mean the, the recirculation how many times oh, yeah. uh, does it go back it's between 12 and 24 cycles and what was really um important to say and i think that's even i was kind of like mind blown about this is that in average we use an item eight times before we discard that item in the lifetime so that's like traditional consumption I, buy, I go to a store i buy an item i'm going to use it eight times on his, in his life cycle and i'm going to stop wearing it it might just be sitting in my closet but that's basically the, the research that has been done our customers because they know they're having those those items for four weeks they mm -hmm. use them at least once a week, which creates like four, four uses within four weeks. So uh, across 12, 24 uh, cycles, we get over 40 uses per item. That's fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, that's super exciting. I mean, I'm, I'm by mind blown because uh, even me as a, as a man, I also see that sometimes I have some pullover or like stuff <laughs> lying in my closet that I completely forgot about the, the use of it. Uh, and uh, please, like, don't hesitate to open the, the line to, to men as well. I'm sure I, I'll be excited to try it out. Uh, so regarding a little bit about your, your competition uh, today, can you uh, tell me a bit more about, uh, about them and uh, why are you different, maybe? So I think, I mean, we don't have direct competitors in, per se, but of course we're looking up to players like Stitch Fix who have done amazing in the US and we're looking more into the sort of like big data stylist type of business models. Then there are other rental um, startups in the, in the industry. But the difference is that most rental players today, what they're offering is is a way for you to access something that you can you wouldn't be able to afford otherwise so it's more like the statement pieces or something that's much more expensive we rental is not really our business model because it's it's just a financial way to create our recurring and the cycle so we're not here to say hey rent this instead of buying it because you cannot afford it it's more like get those boxes every month and therefore pay for the service every month so it's a little bit different and we we source our clothes for everyday usage. It's mm -hmm. like going to work, working from home is, you know, we, our closet basically um, changes and adapt to consumers uh, needs because it's, it's seasonal. We get, you get summer thing in summer, you get winter thing in the winter. Um, if you, we have a lot of customers who within uh, their, um, their first year with Ike Closet, they got pregnant. And that for us is not a problem because you just need to tell us that your size have, have increased. So we're, we're, we're not a, I, I actually don't like saying, we're not a fashion brand. We're like a lifestyle brand and we're trying to change, like we're behavior, behavioral change type mm -hmm. of company. Like Klana has changed the way we pay or that the way we do transactions and Spotify has, pay, has changed the way we listen to music. Well, we're trying to change the way we get, we get dressed and we access clothes. Fantastic. So maybe you can tell us a little bit more about uh, the economics uh, behind it. Um, I mean, you mentioned it's like a 29 euros uh, monthly subscription. Uh, so what are the, the margins that you guys are expected uh, or, or maybe uh, already making? Uh, if you can share that and uh, how far are you into the process to reach that uh, scale of operation? 
Well, currently we are we are uh, breaking even on every box that we sent. So everything right now that we invest in is is um, technology and our research and development. That's fantastic. Um, and uh, I guess I mean looking at the nature of your business, uh, moving all of those clothes around uh, must be like a very heavy logistic uh, operation uh, that you have to put in place. So how do you, if you can tell us a little bit more about like uh, I mean how does it work? Do you have like massive warehouse where uh, you centralize everything, or it's more like decentralized uh, model that you guys have? And how do you uh, scale uh, your operation uh, as well? Because I see that uh, you guys are in different uh, market now. Uh, so what's the, what's the secret sauce behind that? Well, if it's a secret sauce, it has to stay this way. <laughs> but um, it's, uh, no, we are definitely, I mean, when we, when my, um, Michaela, who is my co-founder today, joined the company, uh, we, I, the first thing I told her was like, we're not going to get out there until we have figured out the pay operation. And it's your job to do that <laughs> because I, it's not, it was not really, I mean, of course we, we put our heads together, but it was like, she started as, um, working with the logistics and she was an engineer. So she had this sort of like processes type of mindset. And I was like, okay, we're going to put this together, but we have, you know, no one heard about this, about us. To, I think the first half a year nine months that we were already running and all of a sudden we came out in the news being like yo we just raised four million sake and then we raised in uh, like um, less than a year later we raised 2.4 million euros um because when you start a startup you need to think about execution because sustainability is not only about impact it's about being able to sustain your own business uh, so execution is so much more important than branding. Like the branding can come next. Because if, if you don't have a product that works, it doesn't matter how good looking your brand is. Um, so yeah, operation has been something that we have put at the forefront and we have invested everything we had at the beginning. And now we're, we're at the state where we are focusing more on the, the experience and like the brand and what, what, what are we about and what are our values and so on and so forth. Fantastic. So if you can tell me a little bit about the, the challenges and the, the opportunities of as of today for the for the company. Yeah, I mean, challenges is uh, it's something new, right? When you try to change a, a behavior, you have to do a lot of education. You have to make sure that people feel comfortable with something that is different. Like you don't get to buy the clothes, which is something that is, you know, pretty new. Uh, you don't get you. Um, you know, we have um, we have those cycles. It's someone who's picking the clothes for you, which is also can be you know a bit of a barrier. So all of those things that we are we are trying to communicate on, and that we that is part of our of our proposal is something that um, uh, yeah requires education and can be a little bit of a challenge. But that's why that's why it's we're doing what we're doing, right? Because if we get past that challenge, then we're onto something really really interesting. So that's one. Um, Opportunities, well, opportunities is that there's never been as much, you know, uh, clothes out there that have been produced. And um, so, you know, we have uh, we have a lot of work for the next years. Uh, and that's a good opportunity, I think, to have. Um, yeah. Are you guys thinking maybe to go into the, the segment, like the, the new segment in a way, uh, or maybe going to after like this, I mean, you, you capture the customers. So at the end of the day, you can also uh, give them like more sustainable clothes uh, options. Uh, 
maybe you will tell me that uh, there's no nothing more than sustainable than something that uh, doesn't need to be produced, but uh, there's also new ways to produce clothes today uh, that are more like uh, uh, sustainable in, in itself uh, and organic. Uh, is that something that you guys uh, are also looking at it or that's way further down the line? So, I mean, I think it's uh, no, what we're trying to tackle is uh, the, those brands who are not yet sustainable, right? And it's like we are looking at, um, at, I don't know how to explain this, but like the thing about sustainable brands is that they're all doing, already doing the right thing. Uh, when, you, when we decided to work with largest players is because we know that as a startup, we have the pace so we can go, we can accelerate change. And those players, they're here to stay. Like, you know, the H&M, the, the, um, the Inditex, all of those companies are here to stay, but they are, you know, a large player in the industry. And if we can help them accelerate the process towards sustainability, then our impact, going back to what I said before, is, gonna, is actually going to have an impact. Uh, because if we're, you know, we're, if, we're, if we're turning towards sustainability, sustainable brands who are already doing the right thing, well, you know, that's, yeah, it's going to be, it's, it's not going to have the same impact. Though we're looking into working with them, not for, you know, making their item last, because we already know that items are, you know, doesn't produce as much CO2 and everything, but giving them visibility and being able to mm -hmm. put the clothes in the, hand, in the, in the consumer's hands, because that's also one of the things about our business. We get to create visibility for the brands. And, you know, talking about, hey, this items has been circulating in collaboration with this brand. And, you know, we being behind the scene and having this collaboration with them, we know which ones are the ones who are really committed to sustainability and the mm -hmm. ones who are not. Which one are they? Well, <laughs> <laughs> if you can share. I think it's, well, I mean, I mean, I, I have been quite shocked to see the difference between, you know, different cultures. And I think uh, to not to mention anything, but the brands who are com coming from Sweden have a genuine understanding that sustainability is the way to go. Uh, mm -hmm. While, you know, in other countries, we haven't felt the same, um, yeah, the same urgency to change things. And some, some brands prefer to, you know, get their new collection in the warehouse faster than actually get, you know, finding right ways, right ways to go to throw away uh, their surplus. Cool. Uh, but thank you for sharing. Um, I have a couple of que uh, last uh, questions for this uh, for this uh, this part. So, if you can tell me a little bit more, I saw that on your uh, on your website, you guys have been setting up uh, sustainability goals. Uh, if you can tell me a little bit more about them and how do you plan to achieve them, uh, and then we'll find out, we'll finish with the last question: How the community of uh, in the in the audience uh, that can can support you uh, and help you uh, if you have any needs on that side. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to our sustainability goals, we have been, you know, when I think the conversation around sustainability is extremely tricky because if you start saying we're going to work into sustainability, people are going to look in every single thing you do while, you know, so you have to be able to back up everything, every process and every part of your of your business, which you know, when I started, I started with my whiteboard on my own in my living room, I was like, okay, sustainability is written in the middle of the board. I don't end with sustainability. I start with it. Um, and a lot of things, a lot of people have been asking us about transportation because transportation seems to be quite heavy on our side since we have the, all of the back and forth. Um, and um, so part of like, so the first thing I want to say about this is that what the problem we're tackling with the industry is those 
11 kilo per piece that have been emitted. And if that item mm. is not being used, then this was all for nothing. So we want to neutralize that impact. We cannot do anything, we cannot remove it because it's already done, but we can neutralize it and create an alternative to someone who would buy new instead. Mm -hmm. So this is what we're focusing on and we build a, a business because of that. But obviously people are gonna ask us about transportations because it's part of our business. And we always say, well, transportation is a small thing and it's actually a small impact compared to everything else, but we still wanna be mindful of it. And we're looking to have, you know, to be that all of our uh, transports are being compensated 100%. So we only work with partners who are doing compensations who, mm -hmm. or are using electric fleets. And you were talking about expansion. So we, um, we, are, we expanded to France now. And um, a lot of people have been asking, so could you, you know, operate from Sweden and just extend your warehouse, but we decided not to do that because we wanted to be as close as possible to our co customers. Mm -hmm. So we, 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 we were able to reduce the number of like the, the length of the distribution for our boxes. So we are basically opening unit distribution in strategic area where we can cover as much as, as possible of the territory without having to go further than, you know, 600, 1000 kilometer. Okay, fantastic. So let's conclude this uh, this first part of the interview. Uh, how the, the community can uh, can help you? Uh, well, we are always uh, hiring. So you know, uh, I guess the community is mostly founders. But if there's anyone who is interested to join a startup and want to be part of that journey, we always hire uh, people in research and development, obviously in techno in tech. Um, we are currently looking for a growth marketing manager. We're looking for a mobile developer. So if anyone's feel inspired by our story and our mission, they they're free, like they can reach out. Fantastic, Lisa. Thank you so much for uh, being on the on the show today. I think your your story is uh, very inspiring. Uh, what you guys are tackling, it's a it's a massive problem, uh, and I think uh, you have an amazing potential. Uh, uh, in front of you so uh, looking to uh, to hear more and follow you guys in uh, in that journey as well uh, thank you so much